Lauren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Sophie Minchili. Born and raised in Rome to an Italian father and American mother, Sophie's love for Italy stems from the country's beauty, its delicious food, and the people who make it special. She shares what she calls the real Italy, running food tours that takes her clients behind the scenes and into the homes of locals. Sophie's first book, The Sweetness of Doing Nothing, Live Life the Italian Way with Dolce Farniente, will be available here in the U.S. in April this year. I am so excited to welcome Sophie to the podcast. Hi, Sophie. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so very welcome. I've been looking forward to our chat. I always start by asking, what's the first thing you ever cooked and about how old were you? It's actually pretty boring. The first thing I cooked, quotes, is a big green salad. I just remember my mom giving me a bite of this salad just dressed with really amazing olive oil and white wine vinegar and it just changing my life. I just remember thinking, wow, vegetables are good. <laughs> and I like salads. But no, I guess the real thing I cooked after that was a plate of pasta with tomato sauce. Well, I think salad's a great place to start. I think we all should be starting with salad, ideally. So that's a great answer. Um, yes. Was the pasta dried or fresh? So it was dried. I'm from Rome and in Rome, there's a big tradition of eating dry pasta. So a little fun fact about me is that I actually don't like fresh pasta. <laughs> I was raised oh. on dry pasta and that's what I prefer. And like when I crave a big plate of pasta, I imagine a big plate of dry pasta. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. I have to dive a little deeper into that. What is it about the fresh pasta that you don't like as much? Um, so I guess it's the consistency. So you know when people say al dente, you can only achieve al dente with dry pasta. Mm. Fresh pasta will never be al dente, no matter how much you cook it. And also the way it absorbs the sauce. I just, I love the bite and the texture and the flavor. Dry pasta has a flavor to it. Um, so yeah. I'm guessing that the dried pasta almost takes on like an aged quality after some time. Maybe, Maybe yeah, sort can. of like that. Yeah, but... <laughs> It just really tastes, it tastes like, like flour, like pasta. I don't know. To me, it tastes like pasta. Well, I love hearing that because then now I won't feel like fresh pasta has a superiority over uh, dry because I feel like that's the common convention, at least here. People think, oh, fresh pasta is better, but maybe not. I think a lot of people believe that because they've never had high quality dry pasta. So the big industrial brands are, of course, going to be less flavorful than like more artisanal ones. But you should compare, like buy yourself, go to the supermarket, buy the cheapest pack of pasta and then buy yourself an artisanal pack. Just boil them both in water, separate uh, pots and then try them without any sauce or dressing and you'll see a huge difference in taste and then you'll be converted. Oh, I am definitely going to do that and I, I can see I can see that that's probably very very true. So Sophie, could you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself um, and and what you do in Italy? Yes, of course. So I am I was born and raised in Rome, Italy, and I currently lead food tours full time. I work with my mom, who's American, and I lead day tours in Rome. And then together with my mom, we lead week-long tours all over Italy. So places like Sicily and Puglia in the south, Umbria, which is a beautiful region next to Tuscany, 
Parma, the land of prosciutto and parmigiano. (laughs) So uh, I'm really happy with my life here. I love my job. I love Italy and I love everything I've managed to create here. I I wish I could have your life. I'm not going to lie. I was telling you before we hopped on the podcast that I first stumbled upon you and what I think is a charmed life <laughs> um, by way of your mom on Snapchat. And I really loved seeing the tourists' experiences when they would go on tours. I think that really hooked me. And then, of course, during pandemic lockdown, when Italy was hit the hardest, I think I was just so keen to see how it was getting through that hard time and how it was recovering. So um, what do you hope people can see when you share your life online? Because I I love the content you share on Instagram. Thank you so much. I guess I feel like people have some misconceptions about um, life in Italy. Um, They see these beautiful pictures and uh, uh, tables filled with pasta and pizza So I guess I try to show that there's also a more real side to Italy. So I, on Instagram, I try and photograph and film what the locals actually do day by day. So like what they drink at the coffee bar, what they order at the restaurant, uh, what they eat based on the season. And also I would say that if you have a look at my Instagram, it's not like beautiful scenery pictures as much as people and the real Italian life and what they're doing and eating mostly. I think one of my favorite things when I look in your Instagram or your stories is when you're hanging out with the older citizens, I feel like (laughs) there's a respect for the elderly that I see in Italy that reminds me a lot of Asian culture. Um, And it's so different from here in the United States. So what can we learn from spending time with our older friends? Um, It's so funny because a lot of my friends make fun of me. They call me the girl that hangs out with the old people. But (laughs) I I love them. I love spending time with the older generation. Um, I guess when I was younger, I didn't appreciate it as much. So growing up in Italy, everyone has a very special relationship with their grandparents, first of all. So I think that's where we first learn to respect and learn from the older generation. And then in most parts of Italy, there's no difference between age. I think it first started when I started spending my summers in southern Italy, in Puglia. And I would go out with friends my age. But then there would also be like they would take their kids with them and their grandparents and then their parents. And it would just be a huge table of people of all ages. And there was no difference. Everyone was out till 1 a.m., just eating and laughing and dancing. And I think those summers really taught me to appreciate the older generation even more. I like the idea of everyone spending time together. I think it keeps the older young and the younger grounded. Yes, (laughs) Um, for sure. And there's just something that we can all learn from one another. And that's so different from here in the States. And families here, I feel, are all disconnected. Everyone's kind of moved far apart. I know that's certainly the case in my own family. So I grew up with a lot of family in New York. So I kind of feel like I had a bit of that, everybody kind of growing up together. But I definitely see the difference with my own kids and how they they don't have those experiences with, you know, older people, you know? Um, Yeah. It's a shame. So life in Puglia versus Rome, if you had to pick just one place to settle, where would it be? Well, I love Rome. It's my home. But I guess it would be Puglia because Puglia to me is just amazing. It has some of the best beaches in Italy. Most of our vegetables are grown there. So amazing food. 
cheese. I don't know if you've ever heard of burrata, which uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I've heard it's become quite popular in the States, but um, yes. its birthplace is Puglia, so burrata every day. And then I guess sort of that thing I was talking about, there's no difference in age. So everyone is constantly hanging out together. So there's a big um, social life is really important there, being together and um, just spending time together, eating, basically. <laughs> yeah, which which brings us to your book. Um, I really love it. I've enjoyed reading it. The Sweetness of Doing Nothing Celebrates the Art of Dolce Farniente. Can you tell us? A little bit more about the book and how Italy's history has influenced this way of life. Yes. So I guess um, growing up here, there were a lot of things I took for granted. And it was only when I became older and started having conversations with my mom, who obviously being an American has a different point of view on life in Italy. And that's when I started to appreciate the things I grew up with and took for granted and realized like they were actually very unique and special. Um, so in my book, I basically talk about how Italians live because I feel like people are very fascinated by the Italian way of living. And it's actually very simple to achieve. And I've divided the book in three main chapters. So food, family and friends, and leisure. And within each of those chapters, I sort of talk about how the Italians relate to those topics and how you can incorporate them in your life. So let's start with food. I think we should actually mm -hmm. open with artichokes. <laughs> uh, I, only because I'm headed to an artichoke farm this spring and I'll be thinking of you and um, the story that you shared about Franco. Can you tell everyone about Franco? Oh yeah, <laughs> so Franco in my book, unfortunately he's no longer with us, but oh. he taught me a lot. He was my vegetable vendor for many years. And um, he, so in Italy, whenever you go to a market, you need to gain the trust of um, the vendor. So in the beginning, they won't let you pick your own things. They pick them for you. Um, but if they see you coming back every day, then they start trusting you and you can pick your own vegetables. But um, <laughs> they're also very vocal with what you're going to then do with all those vegetables. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I remember Franco would always tell me like why are you buying artichokes what are you going to do with those artichokes and I would tell him well this is what I want to do and he was like no 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 that's not the way to cook them this is the way to cook them <laughs> and he would give me his own recipe which his mom had passed down to him and that happens with a lot of vegetable vendors here like shopping at a market can be really fun in Italy I love that I always say you know because here the culture is so different you know, we go to the farmer's market, people are just so intent on getting what they want to get, but not a lot of people take the time to talk to their farmers. And I always say, talk to your farmer and ask them, what's your favorite way to cook whatever the vegetable is? Because they they know it best and they can tell you and, and make recommendations. Yeah. And you can always learn something new. Like Franco might know a way to cook an artichoke that I'd never heard before. So what's Franco's favorite way and what's your favorite way to cook an artichoke? Um, so my favorite way is um, deep fried, which I never cook at home because I don't like frying at home. So that's something when you come to Rome and you go to a restaurant, you should try the, it's called Jewish style, carciofo alla Judea, which is deep fried. The easier way, which is what Franco taught me and I cook at home, is alla romana, so Roman style artichoke. 
And basically that's just, you clean the artichoke and cook it in a big, big pot with um, a little water, olive oil, garlic, and parsley. Oh, and a little white wine. I always forget about that. Mm. And um, you cover the top with a paper bag. So it sort of lets it steam. Then put the top on top of the paper bag, the cap of the pot. And you just let them cook for 20 to 30 minutes. And they sort of stew in the water and the oil and the garlic. And they're really soft and good. Mm. So what is it about Italy that makes the art of doing nothing so good? I think that actually... With the pandemic, people kind of had a little bit of taste, a little taste of slowing down a little. And obviously, we had a lot of time with our family. But what do you think it is about Italy that just makes it so much? It seems better. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, I guess I feel like in today's world, we. We made too much space for, like, we feel that we constantly have to be busy. And the more we do, the more the cre we create, the more we feel like we have a space in this world and we're useful. But Italians understand that doing too much often leads to anxiety. Mm. And anxiety never leads to anything good. So you can't be that productive if you're anxious all the time. So they understand that dolce far niente, the sweetness of doing nothing, actually leads to more productivity. So slowing down, stopping whatever you're doing actually helps you be more successful in life. Yeah, I, I really feel like that was a keen lesson for so many of us during pandemic, but I'm afraid that we're all going to lose it. And um, I love the section in your book where you talk about taking a walk and how that ritual is so special. And it made me think back to when, you know, during the pandemic, there was nothing else for me to do but to take the daily walks and how restorative it was. So what is it about the daily walk that is so special in Italy? I guess it's all about routines. So Italians have various routines that they like to follow, like Sunday lunch is sacred. So you have to sit down every Sunday with either your friends or family and have a big lunch. And then after the big lunch, there's always the walk. And they say it's to digest because after all that food, you can't just lay down on the couch, <laughs> but you need to get up and take a walk. But it's also a way to like see other people. So you're taking a walk, but you're seeing your neighbors or you're taking a walk through town and seeing what other people are doing, wearing, talking about. Um, so it's just a way to have a routine and a routine that doesn't involve you just sitting at home looking at your phone or TV. Hmm. Do you feel that there are certain cities or areas in Italy that achieve this better than others? So I would say for sure southern Italy. They definitely know how to slow down. The further north you go, the more people are business focused. Um, also, there's a big difference within big cities and small towns. But I think that's the same all over the world. People in small mm -hmm. towns know how to slow down much better than big cities. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I guess, especially since further north, you've got Milan, which is just definitely very business-based, it seems, and much very, more go-go-go. I mean, <laughs> like going from Sicily or Puglia to Milan, they seem like completely different countries. Um, I, like in Puglia, if you go during the summer, shops actually close between like, 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. People go home, they have lunch, they take a break, 
they take a nap and then they go back to work <laughs> um in milan that would never happen <laughs> yeah it's such a nice way to live um and then i'm guessing dinner time is very late yes that going back to those first summers i was spending in puglia i remember my friends would be like okay see you tonight at dinner and i would ask at what time and they said well we made a reservation at 11 p.m oh, <laughs> and i would be <laughs> i would be in shock but then i re i would remember like oh i actually took a three-hour nap this afternoon so it makes sense <laughs> Oh my goodness. I know that whenever we travel as a family, my husband, he's an early eater. We always joke that he's uh, he's on the senior citizen <laughs> schedule here because um, he likes to eat closer to five and oh. is actually thinking about dinner at 3.30. Anyway, I just I do remember when we were in France, the idea of, of eating at, let's say, 9 p.m. and that reservation time was just so foreign to him. But I feel like we got into it. I was like, we could do this. <laughs> yeah, you sort of have to train yourself. So just eat lunch later, take yeah. a nap, have a snack or aperitivo before dinner, which is the drink and snack we have before dinner and then dinner. Yeah. Okay, I have to talk about the fact that you have a section in your book dedicated to the house dress. And I love that because one of my favorite <laughs> memories growing up was my Italian neighbor, Mrs. B, I won't say her full name. <laughs> she always wore a house dress. Um, so did many nonas in, in my very Italian neighborhood. So can you tell everyone a bit more about the house dress? Yes. So the house dress is basically when you come to Italy, and especially in small towns in the south of Italy, you'll see all the women wearing the house dress. And the house dress is worn on top of your normal clothes usually to protect it from the food if you're cooking or when you're doing your house chores, like cleaning. Um, it's a way to sort of, um, like if you're at home, you wear that and then you take it off and you're ready to go out and shop and for people to see you in your normal wear. Um, it's just a simple cotton um, wraparound dress, usually on the blue side of colors with some flowers. flowers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the little flowers. Yeah. But it's so funny because... I have so many memories associated to those dresses, like just all the women that surrounded me growing up and my grandma. And now I posted a few pictures of them on Instagram and everyone was like, oh, where did you get it? I need to get one of those house dresses because they've become <laughs> quite rare to find, actually. Where do you find them? So in markets, like these outdoor markets they have on the weekends in smaller towns. But obviously in Rome, since it's become a big city and women don't spend much of their time at home cleaning and cooking, they're almost impossible to find. In the smaller towns where people are still living in a more old-fashioned way, you're, they're easier to find. So you have to sort of get out there and look for them. <laughs> yeah, they're almost like a more protective apron. Exactly. Uh, right? Which yeah. I know I... I that's the first thing that I'll put on when I'm I'm working around the house. I'm always in a neighborhood. So maybe I should just pick up some house dresses. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of starting a house dress collection just because they become so hard to find and people are requesting them. <laughs> See, there's a need. That's your next your yeah. next endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have the first like house dress runway show. <laughs> yes. Well, because it's almost like a uniform here. So you, when you see it, you'll recognize it in Italy. Do you ever wear one? I'm curious. 
Um, I tried a couple times, like in the in our summer house in Umbria, and my father just looked at me and just said, "Like I can't believe you're wearing this. You look like my mother." <laughs> um, so I think I'm gonna wait a few more years to wear it, but I I have a lot here at home. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So Sophie, have you spent a lot of time in the U.S.? Um, I've never actually lived there. We would visit at least once a year before. So we would spend one Christmas here in Southern Italy, where my dad's family is from, and one Christmas in New York, where my mom's family is. And lately, especially after the pandemic, all of our American side of the family wants to come to Italy more and more often. So understandably, they miss it. Um, So we haven't been in a few years, actually. I was just curious, you have that unique perspective of knowing how Americans and Italians treat pasta, for example, differently. What are your thoughts on on how Americans eat their pasta versus the Italians? Well, I think the main difference is ingredients. So not to brag, but I feel like it's much easier in Italy to find flavorful and fresh ingredients. True. Um, In the US, I've noticed that bigger cities like New York, San Francisco, a lot of places in California have access to really good vegetables and fruit and ingredients. But a lot of other places in the US, it's kind of hard for people and expensive. Um, Mm -hmm. Here, it's cheap and easy. And so I feel like in Italy, if you just do a simple plate of pasta with tomato sauce and grated parmigiano, it's going to taste incredible. In the States, where they might not be able to find the best ingredients. I feel like people have started adding a lot more stuff, like more meat, more cheeses, more sauces, and that's to give it more flavor. Um, So that's the main difference I've seen. (laughs) Food is more simple and clean, I guess, in Italy than what people expect it to be. Right. I think you're so right about the quality driving the dish, and that makes complete sense. How can we incorporate dolce far niente in our own lives? <laughs> I guess with a few few things, like uh, the walk we were talking about, uh, make a routine. Um, like, for example, create your Sunday routine. Get some friends, get some family, cook a meal for them, or go to your favorite restaurants, and then plan to take a walk after that. And that can be part of your dolce far niente routine. Another thing can be aperitivo, which, um, so aperitivo is what the Italians call meeting up after work, before dinner, to have a drink and something to eat before going to dinner. And oftentimes this is when family and friends get together after a hard day at work. And I feel like that it's almost a daily thing here. So we meet for aperitivo almost every day. Oh, how nice. Yes. <laughs> and after the aperitivo, you can either go out for dinner or you go back home to your family. But it's a way just to wind down from work and talk about the day and talk about things that aren't related to work. The ultimate happy hour. Yes, the ultimate happy hour. Um, Another thing I think is a big part of Dolce Far Niente and just the Italian way of living is something I call bella figura. So Italians always like to look their best. So while they wear like women, some women might wear the house dress at home, they would never leave the house with it. So Italians like to look good when they go to school, when they go to work, when they go to the post office. And I feel like that is sort of taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. and that's time for yourself. So 
taking care of yourself maybe might be doing your makeup or dressing nicely or going to the gym find time to take care of yourself that is such a good good point especially so many of us have gotten used to just wearing sweatpants <laughs> exactly how do jeans even feel anymore it's so weird i will not i mean the first time i wore real shoes after you know how many months of just wearing sneakers for my walks was my feet were almost like shocked. Like, what are you doing to me? This is so strange and foreign. Yes, I understand. <laughs> um, another thing, actually, this might be a little too extreme for everyone to do, but Italians like to take a whole month off in oh. the summer. <laughs> so if you come to Rome or any big city in August, you will see that most things are closed. There's no traffic. The city is sort of empty. And that's because Italians like to take a full month's break in the summer, in August, and go to the beach. And people literally spend the whole month just sitting at the beach, swimming, tanning. Italians love tanning, <laughs> reading books, um, spending time with family, and basically eating huge lunches and dinners. Oh, that is bliss. I really feel like <laughs> Americans need to restructure the way they do vacation, vacation time. The idea of, you know, two weeks of vacation is just not enough. No, it's not. Well, Sophie, I loved chatting with you. I really hope to get back to Italy. And, oh, I would love to tour a farmer's market with all of you. Um, but yes. I have some closing questions before I let you go. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook, your go-to emergency dinner? So it's pasta, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say I open the fridge and I have uh, a broccoli or a cauliflower or Swiss chard or zucchini. So any vegetable, really. Mm -hmm. I will chop that up, put a pot of water to boil. Then I add the vegetables and add the pasta in that same pot of boiling water with the vegetables. And then I'll drain it all together and saute it in a pan with some olive oil and garlic. And that's dinner in 10 minutes. So simple, so fresh, very good. Yes. <laughs> what's, the, what's the one recipe that you treasure the most? So my favorite, it's another pasta recipe. <laughs> so um, I would say amatriciana, which is one of Rome's classic pastas. It has tomato sauce, it has pecorino cheese and guanciale, which is mm -hmm. um, cured pork's cheek. Mm -hmm. And I just remember when my mom, my mom would always cook it for me as a kid. And when I finally learned her recipe, I think I will treasure that forever because it's probably the thing I cook the most for me oh, and my friends. I love that. So, oh, so good. You're making me hungry. And the recipe is in the book. Oh, very good. Um, are you a messy cook or a neat cook? I'm freakishly neat. My friends make fun of really? me. So I clean while I cook. That's so yes. good. I, I try to do that, but I'm always in awe of people who are, are neat like you. Well, I think it's mostly because I hate washing the dishes after. So I wash them while I'm cooking. So I don't have any later. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I'm hearing that more and more from people who like to clean as they go. It's, it's really about enjoying their meal and not having to worry about the dirty dishes afterwards. It really works. You should try. Yeah. What's a good kitchen tip? Mm, I guess to have a full pantry. So my pantry is always well stocked because even if I don't have anything in the house, there's always the pantry, which has 
a ton of options like dry pasta, rice, anchovies. I always have anchovies, capers, um, incredible olive oil. That's the main ingredient to everything Italian. And then mm-hmm. canned goods. So beans, uh, sauces, tomato sauce, pantry, full pantry. <laughs> Excellent tips. And oh, I can't agree more with them. The olive oil, the capers, anchovies, that's, and then pasta, and then you're done. (laughs) That's all you really need. Yeah, that's all you need. (laughs) So uh, every week I try to share five little things, something that made me smile that week. Is there anything that you experienced this week that made you smile? Yes, actually. This morning I saw, it was a very sunny morning in Rome, and I went, I go to the same coffee bar every morning to have a coffee. And this morning when I got there, there was all of the older men of the neighborhood sitting in front of the coffee bar playing cards. And they were in such a good mood because it was sunny. Everyone's mood changes in Italy when the sun comes out. And they just really started my day with a smile. Oh, I love picturing that. That's so, so nice. Sophie, I really enjoyed chatting with you. Where can everyone find you and your book? So my book is going to be on Amazon. It comes out on the 29th of April. And they can find me on Instagram. My Instagram name is Zminkili. So S-Minkili. Perfect. I will have that in your show notes. And I hope to see you one day in Italy. I hope to see you as well. I'll be waiting for you with a plate of pasta. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Who's ready to pack their bags and fly to Italy? I know I am. If that's not in the cards, definitely pick up a copy of Sophie's book. It's such a lovely read and it'll make you feel as if you're already there. And better yet, incorporate some of the sweetness of doing nothing into your own life. Thank you again to Sophie for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to review it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.